Hey there, friends. Jay Revel here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Mid-Am Crisis. It has been a wonderful adventure bringing these uh, episodes to you so far. Been getting some great feedback from people uh, really all around the world, which is just uh, obliterating my uh, low expectations. Uh, I love bringing these shows together uh, each week and, and talking to some of my great friends in golf. The conversations keep getting uh, more and more interesting, and I'm looking forward to bringing more shows to you soon. Uh, this week, I've got a great chat for you. My good friend Ryan Carey, who is a co-founder of Golden Age Golf Auctions, uh, is on. Uh, Ryan is one of the great uh, sort of uh, amateur golf historians, if you will, out in the world today. He's always a wonderful conversation. He's incredibly knowledgeable about the history of the game, and in particular, the items and artifacts that uh, have populated uh, the stories we all know so well from golf. And his company, Golden Age Golf Auctions, is constantly in the news for bringing some of the most unique golf artifacts uh, to market uh, for people to have an opportunity to own. Uh, most recently, he just wrapped their latest auction, which featured uh, a set of major championship trophies uh, from the one and only Gary Player. Uh, I think uh, the Black Knight even uh, tweeted about it a few times, maybe with a little bit of uh, amazement of how Ryan and the, the team at Golden Age Auctions came up with these. But uh, the fact of the matter is these items sometimes sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, they've been featured in the New York Times and all kinds of other fun stuff. And it really is a blast to catch up with Ryan and hear what they're planning for 2021, uh, just how this year's golf boom uh, has helped drive their business and interest in the golf auction market. And uh, just an all-around good conversation as always. So thanks again for tuning in. I appreciate you listening. I think you're going to enjoy this chat with Ryan. Uh, I know we're getting close here, uh, really in the midst of the holiday season. I'll uh, drop my own uh, uh, shameless plug here. Uh, if you get a chance, you know someone who's looking for a unique golf item uh, for your holiday shopping list, uh, something to stuff inside of the stocking or slip into the tree, I can't recommend enough my own book, The Nine Virtues of Golf. You can find it on Amazon. I've had a number of people pick it up recently for gifts, and I think uh, if you're looking for that uh, interesting item for the golfer in your life, I think you might enjoy checking that out and sending one their way. Anywho, enough of the shameless plugs. Let's get on to the conversation. My good friend, Ryan Carey, co-founder of Golden Age Golf Auctions. Enjoy the show. Ryan. Hey, how's it going, man? Oh, it's good, brother. How you doing, buddy? Oh, perfect. Couldn't be better. You got to be feeling pretty good coming off uh, a little end of the year auction uh, to wind down, uh, you know, just a really normal year, right? <laughs> yeah, it, I don't think you could have told me that this year would have happened and that we would have capped it with one of our, you know, one of our best auctions. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, we're very happy. Well, I feel like anytime you can, uh, you know, get some trophies uh, by way of one of golf's great major champions headlining your auction, you've got, uh, you start to gain a little bit of attention. Uh, that was really cool, man. I mean, you know, I've seen you guys have some really awesome stuff over the years, but you know, to have a full lot of uh, all four majors kind of headline an auction, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, man. It's, a, it's the first time anyone's done it. Um, we've had the, we've been planning on trying to do that for years. Uh, and I was expecting it to be 
uh, piecemeal, like, oh, let me find a Masters trophy over here. Let me get a U.S. Open trophy. But to have four from Gary Player is obviously massive, um, especially in 2020, but it would be massive any year. Um, so it was a really cool time to do it. And, and whenever you get, like, monster items like that at, in the auction, it gets attention. And hopefully for us, it just brings more items and brings more cool things that we get to, you know, discover and bring to people. I'm a, you know, I'm a junkie for collecting, uh, you know, obscure golf things. And uh, I always love coming through the auctions, man. You just always have just the cool stuff in there. You know, what's the, how does, how does that happen? How how do you, how do you develop that, um, uh, that ability to showcase these incredible items for people, uh, for golf collectors all around the world? How's that, how's that come about? You know, we, we kind of stuck to our guns the entire time. This is our, 14th almost 15th year doing it and we started real small you know we're still a pretty small company but we we've never changed where we still sell $25 items as much as we sell the $200,000 items and so uh even though we're obviously not gonna make a lot of money off the $25 items we do we don't care we like that stuff um we like bringing it to people um today's the collectors have to start somewhere and so you know we hear that a lot where we've just kind of stuck to our roots where you know, you can go buy a Justin Leonard, you know, autographed magazine from the 99 Ryder Cup. Doesn't have tremendous value, but maybe you attended that Ryder Cup. Maybe your dad did. Um, and we like selling that stuff. Like that stuff's cool to us. And so, you know, uh, different souvenirs purchased at the Masters Tournament over the years. You know, we're, we're going to continue to sell them. You know, we, we could become an auction house that just has the, the super high end and cater to the, you know, uber wealthy. And we've just chosen not to do that. We like doing that too. That's obviously what pays the bills, but uh, we like selling the small stuff. And so it gets every category of golf fan involved. So it's not even just golf collectors, you know, and that's, that's kind of the one thing that I think kind of separates us. And that's been really cool. So tell me the, the story, uh, the, the, the official unofficial abridged version of uh, how golden age auctions came to be i mean you know I, I always love hearing these sort of you know backdrop stories of uh origin stories of how uh how folks came up with their crazy ideas or their light their lifestyles in golf so uh for those who maybe uh haven't ever heard it um I, and i've heard bits and pieces of it tell me the the full bit of it all right so the the, the truth of it is i just love uh i love history i love the chase for things the actual artifacts to me what the origin story is, it's, it's Indiana Jones. It's trying to be, you know, Temple of Doom, Holy Grail, you know, Ark of the Covenant. Uh, it's, it's that chase. It's that thing. Um, I'm a sucker for those, you know, that movie, whether it's in even, even the kind of terrible one afterwards, National Treasure with Nick Cage. Like, I love that stuff, man. I love finding history, the sense of discovering something. And so, um, you know, I grew up, you know, collecting Michael Jordan basketball cards and, and all that type of stuff. And then as I got into golf, it was, man, where do I find these cool pieces of golf history? And there wasn't a great place uh, to do that. And so, you know, eBay is so buyer beware and fake stuff and whatever. And, and, and uh, I just, I wanted to create a, an auction house, but auction house is even too glamorous a term. I wanted to create some marketplace where people could buy and sell this stuff so that I could find it myself. Um, and so that's really where it started. I mean, I, I was in law school at the time and and did it just to just to meet other people and find other people that were like minded in terms of, you know, really geeking out on these historical items. Yeah, you know, I, it's so cool. I love that story because I've always sort of fancied myself a, 
a bit of a picker. I'm I'm sitting in my office here now, and I you know I've just got this menagerie of all kinds of little trinkets and things. You know, FSU stuff, golf stuff, Tallahassee stuff. I, I've always just loved history in the same way. And uh, I got a friend of mine who's got a really cool uh, picker and unique finds business. He actually just went out full time doing it, and I, I always love you know rapping with him and catching up about you know the latest greatest barn he's been shuffling through somewhere. Um, you know, do, do, how much of your experience has been going to sort of obscure places uh, on the search, uh, a la Indiana Jones, like you described? So, so much of it now is, is incoming. So what it usually is, is word of mouth, um, you know, by getting headlines for selling things like, you know, a tiger putter or, or the Gary player trophies, you know, a master's trophy type thing gets us the headlines. That means next time somebody shows their friends something, um, or maybe their relative passes away and leaves them something, um, it, the word of mouth gets them to us. And so a lot of it's that. And what, what we really have to do is weed through the noise and which of this stuff is not only legit, but which of this stuff is maybe this diamond in a rough. Cause you don't always know at face value. Sometimes something's obvious. Sometimes someone's like, hey, here's exactly what I have, and they're right. Other times, it takes a lot more digging. It may mean a you know, plane flight out to see them, um, and it, it's, you just never know. It's really cool uh, how, that, how that happens, and we've had some just crazy finds where you know, you're just blown away the person on the other side of the phone or the person you meet up with with what exactly they have. It almost feels like that surprise moment at the you know, end of Antiques Roadshow you know, where they're like, Hey, this family heirloom is actually an original Picasso. Like it's something like that. I would assume you've probably got some uh, regulars, both on the the buyer side and on the uh, uh, you know concession side, that uh, you probably deal with. Uh, have you got a few favorite uh, treasure troves or collections that you've had a chance to peruse uh, over the years? Yeah, so definitely our auctions are definitely a mixture of types of people. So you know, some people identify as golf collectors. And those golf collectors can be small collectors that like collecting maybe flags or autographed flags uh, to the kind of elite golf collector, you know, the, the famous collector Jim McCormick uh, in Chicago that was highlighted by Golfer's Journal in one of the first issues. I highly recommend that article. Uh, Jim is, is not only, you know, one of the greatest collectors in the world, he's one of the greatest guys. And he has, he has everything. I mean, it is it is a it is a museum in his house, uh, millions of dollars worth of memorabilia. Um, you know, if he has a, a gold medal from each of the major championships, it's not only a gold medal from the majors. It's Gene Sarazen's from the 1935 Masters, the shot heard around the world. It's the first ever PGA Championship medal. Uh, it's it's Willie Park Jr.'s medal from the British Open. I mean, it is just some crazy stuff. Um, and so, you know, he's one of the best. There's the, there's you know, some of the guys have are, are relatively secretive They're they're guys that nobody really knows. They're not on most people's radar, and they just have these phenomenal collections of golf history. Um, and then, of course, the museums. You know, the USGA Museum is is phenomenal. The British Golf Museum is phenomenal. And so, there's some crazy collections like that. And then, of course, there's just regular people that like golf history and like golf. Um, one of the things we used to hear a lot is, "Oh, I'm not a golf collector." And then I'd always say to people, yeah, but do you think it'd be cool to own a wicker from Marion? Well, yeah, I think that'd be cool. Or would you like to have, you know, a, a Jack Nicholas signed flag on, on your wall? Oh, yeah, I'd like that. Okay, well, you don't have to be a hardcore golf collector. You just have to like golf and we sell that stuff. Yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> I know where there's a wicker, by the way. 
uh, I walked into this guy's, uh, <laughs> I guess you'd call it an office, kind of a office slash warehouse here in Tallahassee. And it's been a few years ago. And I, I looked over in the corner, he, he's in the golf industry, sort of in a, in an obscure way. And I, I looked over in the corner and I just see this thing laying on the ground. And I was like, Oh my God, that's a Marion wicker. And, and he said, Oh yeah, you got a good eye. He goes, yeah, that was, you know, my dad, this guy, his, his father invented airification, which is the damnedest thing I ever had heard. And, uh, so he's got all this stuff laying around that used to be his dad's. And he's like, yeah, my dad was a friend with, you know, the superintendent at Mary and he gave him that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's crazy. Um, have you ever, ever crossed paths with my buddy, uh, Sidney Matthew down here in Tallahassee? Yes, of course. Sid's been a customer of ours probably since the very beginning. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a quite the Bobby Jones collection. I mean, what he's written at least nine books on Bobby Jones, probably more than that now. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Sid's the man. I, uh, I've got a story in a, uh, upcoming edition of uh, golfer's journal about, um, him and his collection and some of the days I've spent, uh, over there listening to stories and tall tales from him. But yeah, that, it, that what's cool is, is I feel like people who are golf collectors, they're always, you know, fascinating personalities. Uh, Sid certainly uh, fits that, uh, that description. <laughs> no doubt about it. Anyone with a handlebar mustache has some stories. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, you get a big auction like the one you just had, you got all those uh, Gary player uh, uh, trophies What's what's the background story on on something like that? I mean, I assume you know the phone rings one day and a big smile comes across your face because you really realize you just stepped into something pretty fantastic. Yeah, these were these were hard fought to get for our auction. Um, uh, one of the Gary Player companies that actually sold these trophies, I believe, to like a developer one of their golf courses uh, years ago. And um, they haven't been used in a while. They, they, I think they were sitting in storage and we knew about them. And when I first learned about them, uh, they were talking with another auction house, a non-golf auction house, just one of these sports auction houses that you know sells these LeBron James cards for crazy amounts of money and everything. And so it was a lot of me trying to convince them, well, no, 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 we are the right spot. We're the golf people. We're the ones you, 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 you sell this stuff with. Um, I have customers for this stuff. Um, and uh, so, man, this was this was one that was a huge deal for us to get because I did not think it was coming to us. Um, I did not think it could ever come to us. And then you learn the backstories of why these trophies exist out into the marketplace and why they actually can be available to sale for sale. And there's so many things like that. Like every auction, we have stuff that people are, you know, say to us, like, how could you find this? How does this come available? How is this not in a museum? And there's all kinds of crazy stories of why things are not in museum. And a lot of times things end up in museums after, you know, the museums buy from us or our customers buy them, either donate them right away or enjoy them for a little while and then loan them and, and, and donate them and, and the like. And uh, it's just, it's, it's fun when that happens. You know, obviously you guys have built, uh, and this is a testament to that. You've built a great brand uh, for yourselves, but you know, that, that brand has evolved over time, you know, I, I love the name golden age auctions, uh, but it wasn't your original name. You, you, you got into a little bit of a, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, but, a, a, a disagreement gentleman's disagreement with a particular golf club over your original name. You want to shine a little light on that backstory? Yeah. I mean, listen, it's interesting. You know, when we started 
green jacket auctions originally. It was back in 2006. Um, I don't even know where that name came from. That's just a name we came up with, right? And you're tiny at the time. You are an absolute nobody. Nobody in the golf world knows who I am. And so when it was started, I didn't think anybody from Augusta, let alone anywhere, would even know who I am or what we are, let alone ever have an issue with it uh, type of thing. And so um, nobody seemed to care what we were doing and what we're up to for like a decade. And then, you know, listen, uh, I understand uh, why. And so uh, we we got in a little bit of a, a little bit of tussle, but uh, but it, I think it all ended up working out great for everybody, definitely for us. So. Uh, we're super, we're super stoked. We're now golden age golf auctions. We love it. Uh, it, it. It's a pretty cool name and it fits what we do. It fits our brand. And if anything, the disagreement ended up being good for, for just people learning about us. You know, it's all, we love getting press. We love people finding out about us because the, the golf collectors, they know us. All right. So they're going to find us. They either know us or someone's going to lead them to us. But I love the casual golfers who just want to, read through our website and see all this cool piece of history and maybe pick something up. And, and that's, how it, that's how it always starts. I mean, our best customers almost all started by picking up some little master's tournament knickknack or something like that. And that's how, that's how you get hooked, right? That's how you start, you start being interested in, in, in golf history, you start wanting something different, something more, something else for your home office. Does the uh, master stuff outpace the other items that comes up for auction? I mean, you know, it obviously has such a, um, there's just such a large fan base for all things Augusta and Masters out there. Where does that kind of rank in among all the things that uh, tend to come over y'all's uh, auction site? Yeah, in in terms of major championships, uh, Masters is obviously king. Um, Masters, it's the closest parallel we have to what baseball has, where they have this very uh, clean cut history in terms of. Everyone knows it was Babe Ruth, and then everyone knows it was you know Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio, and it, it and there's this this is easy clean history of of the New York Yankees and, and all this stuff, and golf has that with the Masters tournament where you know every year we're seeing the the tournament on the exact same course, and you're learning about Ben Hogan and Byron Nelson and Gene Sarazen, and so it just fits perfectly. If you want to get deeper into golf history, you just have to, you have to, you know, dig, you have to dig even deeper. You have to try even harder. And so the masters is just this easy way of touching upon that history, you know, whether it's recent history, like a Greg Norman, Nick Faldo in 96, or whether it's, you know, farther back. And so that is what people love the most. And so they love the current master stuff. They love repping the masters logo. Um, they love all that. And then as they start getting into history, that's the easy one to get into first and everything. Um, the more hardcore golf collectors, I'd say lean towards the open championship and sort of more of this origins of golf type thing, old Tom Morris, young Tom Morris, you know, Harry Varden, all that type of stuff. So it just really depends on the type of collector. That's fascinating. What about, uh, you know, some of your high end clubs, uh, you know, throughout the States and really, I guess the world, um, do you interact with a lot of clubs who are maybe looking to either, you know, piece their history back together or come up with ways to interpret their history through, you know, unique items. Is that something that happens very often with y'all? Well, that, that's a phenomenal question because I would have answered that question differently maybe five years ago than I would today. So I think at least my, the way I kind of figure things out is as courses are getting more into uh, restoring uh, their their courses, you know, think of like Sleepy Hollow's restoration and, and, you know, Oakmont and all these places getting rid of trees and kind of 
going back to their roots. Uh, as courses are doing that, at the same time, they're caring more about their history. So for years, we would sell things and we'd be so shocked that, you know, why isn't Pine Valley buying this item back from us? Why isn't National Golf Links doing that? And they are now. Um, it, it is amazing how things have changed in a short period of time where clubs are really caring about their history. They're going and buying back pieces of memorabilia that maybe trophies they gave out years ago, um, you know, things like that. And, and so we're seeing a big resurgence in that. And that's been really cool because there's nothing better than having the item go back to its source. It's kind of really cool where an item will leave for, you know, 50, 60, 80 years, and then all of a sudden be reacquired by like a National Golf Links of America, a Pine Valley, you know, country club at Brookline, and then be on display at their, you know, club in their clubhouse. It's just a really cool feeling. And it's, it's kind of a good circle. Yeah, that that is cool. I, I would imagine that, uh, you know, in the course of doing some of that, you've probably opened up some nice uh, doors along the way. Has that been uh, pretty fruitful for uh, your own golf game and getting to play some of these awesome places? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, if you follow my Instagram feed, I, I like to play good courses and, uh, and, and people do give me a hard time about that. Uh, you know, yeah, of course, like the more, uh, you know, the more connections you make right in golf, the more places you can play. Um, the interesting thing about that is, you know, same thing, five, 10 years ago, I think some people, you know, they were definitely haters that saw us as like, you know, two capitalists, like, oh, they're just selling these things to a bunch of rich guys or whatever. And at least that narrative seems to have changed a lot. Uh, maybe it's as we bring, you know, kind of these more historic pieces up to auction, maybe people learn more about us, maybe they have more respect for us. I'm not really sure. But I think what once was seen as we're selling it to the highest bidder, now people are starting to appreciate now people are realizing, oh, wait a minute, they discovered this item, they, they, they established this provenance for it, and they've kind of brought it back where that, you know, we, we now know what it is, we now know where it is, and whether the club wants to buy it or not, uh, they will be able to own it if they want. And so, you know, absolutely, you start getting more connections that way. But part of it was they had to start appreciating what we did or the memorabilia in general. What's the, uh, what's the year ahead look like? Obviously, 2020, you know, Weird year, but you finished on a real high note with a great auction. What kind of things are you uh, thinking about for 2021? Well, first of all, I want to travel and play golf as much as possible because <laughs> this year was crazy, right? I was yeah. on such a, such a heater through March and then, uh, and then nothing. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of kind of irons in the fire right now where we are working on some big collections. Um, one of them from one of the greatest golfers, you know, of all time um, that rivals the Gary player stuff. In fact, in fact, it's way better than the Gary player stuff in terms of the scope of the collection. Um, wow. We, we won't, I mean, this thing will take us a couple of years to sell us that much great, great stuff. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but it is something that we've been working on for a while. Uh, it is, it is, I can't say who the player is right now, but it is, it is, man, it's going to, it's going to make us, it's going to put us on the map for sure. And then, uh, yeah, we've got some other cool stuff like that where, We've, you know, when, when the really great stuff often has this, this long lag time till you get it. And so we just have to keep working on a few different things. And then when the people are ready to sell, we're as low pressure as possible. When they're ready to sell, we sell it. And when we run an auction, I really just need a couple great headline items for the auction, make the auction look pretty. And then, you know, we can get the other items. Then we'll just fill it out with items that are $50, and just kind of fill it out throughout and just kind of make it a fun auction where it's more like an experience where everybody has fun 
you know, looking at the items and everything, even if you're not going to bid, it's, there's a lot of items that you want to read about, read about the history. And so that's all I, I try to do. We, we really right now only doing like three auctions a year. So we make it a big fun event that we kind of lead up to. Do you ever find uh, that anyone has seller's remorse after, you know, going through the process and then actually having to, you know, hand the item over to you and say goodbye to it? Occasionally, but you'd be surprised that it's actually not usually that usually they weigh that they, it weighs heavy on them, whether to sell something, maybe it's a fairly family heirloom, maybe it's something they've owned for 30 or 40 years, but the opposite happens. They spend so much time being reluctant to sell. Maybe they've told me about the item and I've been talking for five years and they finally sell it. And they actually have so much fun during the auction, watching the bidding, asking me questions about who's bidding, what countries are the people living in, things like that, that I see very little seller's remorse. I see way more people that said, oh my gosh, that was actually a lot more fun than I expected. So that's something I never could have predicted. What's the, what's the hardest thing that you found uh, getting, getting uh, on the auction block? Like what, what kind of things would you just love to get, wish you could get, wish you could get more of, just really difficult to find? I'd say the thing that upsets me the most is that the lack of record keeping in earlier eras regarding the clubs that were used by these major champions. Hmm. So um, the really frustrating thing is we did sell a couple cool pieces. We sold the putter that Arnold Palmer used in the 1964 masters. Um, but a lot of the items like that, it's almost impossible to figure out which club they used. Um, so the players back in the, you know, even just use the fifties, sixties, and even seventies, uh, the golfers would, would use their clubs and they would keep using them for a long time. They would use them for a full year, if not a year and a half, sometimes even two years, sometimes a single club within that set, they really fell in love with and they'd use for multiple years in a row. And so it's really hard to ever identify a specific golf club with a specific tournament. So it's just, it's, it's something that I wish happened. And also the photography at the time and the videos at the time aren't clear enough for us to photo match. So I feel like a lot of history has been lost in terms of, um, you know, the putters and the irons and the driver used in specific major championships. It's something that I just personally have an issue with that. I think that those items are lost forever. What about, you know, the more modern stuff? You know, I, I obviously I've seen you move some pretty impressive things associated with uh, one Eldrick Tiger Woods um, is, is, well, first of all, let's talk about him for a second. So his, his juice with items. I mean, I know I've seen you do some really cool stuff with putters uh, that have kind of been in and around his universe. What are some of the tiger things that have just, you know, kind of blown you away? So yeah, tiger, like you hear about tiger moving the needle when it terms of television ratings or whatever else, it's a hundred percent true with memorabilia too. He's obviously, you know, 90% or something of the modern market. Uh, the modern golf collectibles market is really at its infancy. I think we'll see it grow a lot in the coming years. Um, the way that other sports have done, you know, in baseball, people are collecting Mike Trout and they're collecting these, you know, rookies. And we're not really seeing that much with golf yet. And that's definitely going to be a big growth area. Um, and it's the, you know, the PGA tour needs to help out that and get better into that. And, and, you know, they're, they're marketing their young stars, but we haven't seen that with memorabilia and collectibles. Now tiger is obviously a major exception, but he created his own market. Um, and tiger is not a very reluctant signer. So autographs are 
incredibly rare and valuable. Tiger also knows exactly what he's doing. When he picks up a kid's hat to autograph, he'll autograph it on the back. He's not going to mm-hmm. give you this nice, clean autograph right on the bill of the cap. And, or he'll, open a, he'll get a program. He'll open the front cover and sign it in there, which is <laughs> good in a way because it allows you to get a, a piece of Tiger there at the same time. He's making sure you don't have this, you know, primo autograph. If, if a bunch of guys are standing there with master's flags, he's not going to grab that one and sign it right in the center. He's going to grab the person with the ticket stub next to you. He's going to turn around and sign the back of it. So because of that, it has created this demand for quality Tiger Woods autographs. And so anything Tiger Woods is just the page views on it are insane. It's, hmm. it's, it is, it is amazing you just put Tiger Woods in the title of our auction lot and it will be the number one, you know, red thing in our auction. And so when it comes to cooler items, yes, anything that's reached Tiger's orbit, as you described it, any club that he's ever used, any, any shirt that he's ever worn, uh, you know, it, it, it is anything that Tiger has touched is just incredibly desirable. It's so funny you say that. I, I will never forget as long as I live when I was 12 years old, uh, I went to the old Bell South Classic uh, in Duluth, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. And my uncle was playing on tour at the time. We were eating in the clubhouse. And he comes up to me on Sunday, uh, right before he was uh, going out. And he says, hey, um, you know, Jay, come back here um, to the locker room. I want you to meet somebody. And I had been carrying around this, you know, Tiger Woods, you know, book that I literally bought at the Scholastic Book Fair uh, <laughs> at school, and you know, was hoping that I might, you know, you know, get him to sign it. And so I had the book on me. I walk back in the locker room. I come around the corner, and there is Tiger Woods. This is in 1998, I think it was. And um, he's wearing a Sunday red. He actually won the tournament later that day, but I remember walking up to him, just petrified. And, you know, my uncle introduces us and I ask him if he can, uh, you know, sign the book for me. And he just looks at me with the most deadpan look. He goes, I can't sign that. It's not an authorized copy. <laughs> and I just was like, I just had a, like, I was like panicked. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, <laughs> here I am with Tiger Woods. I'm like, what can I possibly get him to sign? And I just, I happened to like, you know, my eyes went up and I remembered I'm wearing a hat. I was wearing a Callaway golf hat. And I just turn it over and hand it to him. And, and like you said, he signed it on the bottom of the, of the bill. I still got it at the, at the house, but um, yeah, it's crazy. I've heard a lot of similar stories like that about, you know, he's kind of, you know, kind of got a weird streak with how he signs things. Stuff. That's, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, the inter- interesting thing about that is, uh, you know, people like to say like, Oh, it's good. He's only signing for the kids or he's not signing for these professional autograph guys. But the crazy thing is it has the reverse effect. It makes his, the, the, the good autographs of his the primo autographs it makes them so much more valuable hmm. that it, it just backfires whereas a phil mickelson or a gary player that signs a lot their their autographs don't have tremendous value so everybody gets to own them so it's really backfired where it's like it makes them more valuable to sell um so it's kind of interesting how that's happened but yeah i mean i mean tiger tiger's everything um uh, with with memorabilia, with modern memorabilia, and and it's starting to trickle into the other stars, you know, where people are starting to realize, wait a minute, I should collect this person, this person's next. Jordan Spieth got really hot in 2015 um, for a while. Obviously, that's cooled down, but not a tremendous amount. People still like collecting Jordan Spieth for some reason. Um, and uh, but we haven't seen you know enough of the newer stars like the Dustin Johnson and the Brooks Koepka, but it, it's starting a little bit. That's cool. Um, 
T- tell me about the tiger putters that you've had. You, you, you had a couple of those that have, that have come through. Yeah. So the, the, the kind of modern Holy grail, I guess is what's, what's, you know, becoming the piece is uh, one of the red dot Scotty Cameron putters that was made for tiger. So tiger famously has his red dot Scotty Cameron that he used for 14 of his 15 majors, only the 97 masters. He used a different putter. Mm-hmm. And Ty, as you know, tiger has been using that off and on the entire time. He, Used the Nike method for a while and some other putters. And um, every year, Scotty Cameron, w- when he works with Tiger, which is not every year, uh, every year when he works with Tiger, Scotty supposedly makes one or two backups for Tiger. So if something happens to the original one, or if Tiger finally decides to, okay, my old beat up putter, I should probably stop using this thing, especially because of the tremendous value of it. Um, yeah. He's got backup ones. And some of those backups have made it into the collecting market, whether Tiger's given to people, whether Scotty Cameron's given to people, you know, all different stories there. And some of those have come to market. And for some reason, the last couple few years, people have decided that that is kind of going to be the marquee piece of Tiger Woods memorabilia to try to collect. And that was a, it used to be a $25,000 putter. And the, when Tiger had the whole scandal happened, uh, we sold one as, as cheap as maybe seventeen thousand dollars, wow. and then the most recent one we sold sold for over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Holy cow! So you're seeing nearly a ten x return from uh, around two thousand ten to two thousand thirteen era. Um, it's really gone up a lot, and that seems like the piece to to collect for years to come. What is the single largest uh, sell item you've ever had? Uh, that would be uh, we sold the first green jacket for 682 grand um we've sold some some masters uh trophies in the in the $440,000 range uh things like that uh yeah that that those are you know those are we've we haven't quite uh, reached the million dollar mark there's not a golf item up there yet uh but the you know, several hundred thousand dollar range is a few items all right so uh putting your prediction glasses on what what do you think will be the first million dollar golf item it's tough because there are plenty of items that are worth that much that haven't been sold. Tiger's putter is obviously a perfect example, but it's never going to reach the auction block. Um, I'll tell you one thing that would uh, get to that level, I believe, that nobody knows where it is. And that is the putter that Jack Nicholas used in the 86 Masters. Oh. So, you know, the one, the famous yellow yeah. shirt holding it up, you mm-hmm. know, stalking the, the putt. Um, Jack doesn't know where that putter is. Oh, wow. Um, he has commented in some articles that, he thinks maybe one of his kids um, let one of their friends borrow it or use it. Just thinking it's a regular <laughs> putter around the house. Yeah. So especially, yeah, listen, you're in Florida. You should be looking, you know, he's got some, I know he's got some grandkids that have gone to Tallahassee. You know, you need to be looking at it for some, uh, it's that, it's the big, ugly McGregor response putter. It's, it's the most recognizable putter pretty much ever made and it's missing. Well, I bought one at the plate again sports here in Tallahassee about uh, two years ago. So yeah, maybe I need to get you to take a look at it. I know. Well, it's it's literally, it's going to be somewhere. And so what it is, because people don't throw away golf clubs. That's mm-hmm. the amazing thing. Yeah. People contact me every single day of my life about, hey, are my golf flags you know, valuable? And my short answer is no, because everybody saved their dad's and their grandfather's golf clubs. People don't throw away golf clubs. And so uh, that club is somewhere. It's the big, ugly, you know, McGregor response. Oh, yeah. But the, in- the interesting thing about it is almost all of them are gray. Uh, McGregor uh, made two or three, they're not sure, black ones. And it's one, it's a black one. So there, it, it's very easily identifiable. There's a black McGregor response out there. 
Uh, there's some other identifying marks that'd be very easy to authenticate, um, and no one knows where it is. But it, it's probably somewhere in Florida somewhere. So somebody <laughs> keep a look, keep an eye out for that. Well, uh, yeah, we'll have to do that. I uh, mine is black. <laughs> now, now, now I'm sitting here going, okay, well, <laughs> that might, yeah, that might be a million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I could use it. Uh, that's crazy. Wow. Um, that's a that's a wild story. Yeah, some of his kids did go up here to school. You never know. Um, mm-hmm. That's crazy. Um, yeah, that probably would go for uh, for a hefty amount. You know, there's, that's one of the things that's maybe sets golf apart from a lot of other games is um, the equipment. Uh, some of it, you know, there tends to be a lore around it, right? I mean, you think about, uh, you know, the the what was it, the four wood that Sarazen used, you know, to hit the shot heard around the world. Ben Hogan's one iron, you know, Nicholas's putter, like you were just talking about Tiger's putter. I mean, you just don't really, you, know, you don't ever hear about, you know, Roger Federer's racket from, you know, the 2010 Wimbledon, you know, just, it's not, it doesn't seem to be as much of a thing in other, um, in other sports. Yeah. It's, it's golf's really cool in that the items you choose are, they can be custom, they can be different. You can customize them and you choose which one to use yourself. And it's very personal to you and to that player. So, um, and then certain players are known for different things. Someone that's a good putter, you'd maybe more interested in their putter. Uh, John Daly, of course, you'd want his driver. And, and so there's very specific things. And then, of course, you and I play either the same or slightly similar equipment. And so there's th- that we do focus a lot on equipment. You can't watch a golf telecast without learning about, you know, Dustin Johnson's driver or maybe the length of Bryson's driver. And so absolutely, you know, I don't know enough about tennis. But whenever I watch, you know, casually watch the Grand Slam events, I don't really hear them talk about the specifics of Federer's racket. And maybe it's because it's basically the same as the others. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I just know they don't focus on it like we do in golf. Hmm. So what about your own personal collection? Uh, you know, what are some of the nuggets that you've got uh, sitting around at the house or the office that you're particularly proud of? So my collection has evolved over the years. I definitely have some smaller pieces that I like to click from here and there, but uh, this may be at my wife's uh, insistence, or maybe <laughs> I came with a, up with it on my own, but I have less quantity than I used to. I have um, been focusing on just really quality pieces. Um, uh, I think that in the long run, everybody, it's, it's more fun to collect quantity at first. I totally get that. But uh, to be an advanced collector, you should eventually uh, buy the best. The best items are the ones that are going to appreciate the most in value. Uh, what we've seen in the last, even the last decade, the $800 items to $1,500 items are still worth $800 to $1,500. Hmm. The $10,000 items have become $50,000, $100,000. And then the $25,000 items have become $200,000. So the better items, the ones that you're like, oh, I could never spend that much on a single piece. Uh, yeah, but you'll spend that much cumulatively over the years on a bunch of smaller pieces those you know that's something to do and so that's what i've done with my own collection i i geek out the really old stuff man i i love old tom morris i love early golf photography uh young tom morris things like that i've got uh some really cool photographs that that old tom morris personally owned uh, of himself as well as his son uh young tom morris that died in 1875 so i geek out at the really old stuff and then I like, you know, I like different stuff. I had a Marion Wicker until recently. I actually sold my Marion Wicker. Um, it was, uh, it was too, it was too large for my home office. <laughs> like you, you think of, you know, cause when, when the, when the pin goes into the cup, 
it goes down a little bit. Yeah. So when it's already, you know, eight feet tall or whatever with the wicker, and then it's, you know, another six inches taller than that, it was just too tall for my office. That's the only reason I sold it, to be honest, because um, I love that piece. That's cool. Well, the one that uh, my friend has here is uh, from the putting green. So it's a little, uh, 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 little shorter. I don't know if that makes it more rare or, uh, or less, but. The, 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 the putting green ones are awesome. That's, that's a, a heavily requested item of mine. I think I've only sold one ever. Um, it's, it displays well, so it's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. That's cool. Um, are you starting to get now, I, I would think again, you know, you, more players that uh, maybe were from that era where they weren't making, you know, millions upon millions of dollars. And now they're maybe getting to a later point in life starting to say, okay, I, you know, this is a good way to set my kids up. This is a good way to, you know, keep the family uh, in, in, in good financial health. Are you, are you, are those some of the calls that you're getting from memorabilia? Yeah. So, you know, off the top of my head, we've sold, the collections of Billy Casper, Tony Jacklin, Al Guyberger, um, you know, a handful of other people, David Graham, we sold some pieces for. And a lot of it is not money driven. There's definitely that component. These items have gotten valuable. But what Billy Casper said to me before he passed was, you know, Billy Casper has 11 kids. Yeah. Um, and Billy Casper said, Ryan, it's a lot easier to divide up money 11 ways than it is a master's trophy. And so, you know, I, they're seeing it that way where it's not money in terms of a money grab. It is how do I leave this to my kids? You know, they've got this this ra- this gathering of trophies and medals and contestants pins. What do they do with it? And, and then, of course, a lot of the, the players themselves, maybe not, they're not that attached to the items. They won those tournaments. They live that. You and I often care more about the physical items uh, than them. I mean, Al Geiberger. He was like, Ryan, take whatever you want, whatever. I'd rather people own it. it, it his stuff had been sitting in a storage locker for yeah. years, you know? So it, you know, he lived those things. Um, and, and now that we did that, the puttery used when he, when he you know, had his 59 round, which was maybe the greatest round of all time. Uh, it's now, it's a ping putter. It's now at Ping's headquarters. And it was behind Solheim's desk. Yeah. So it's like, it was sitting in a locker, you know, for years. And, and then the, the irons themselves, I'm pretty sure the USGA bought them from us. So it's by them selling it, it allowed them to get in actually to a better place. So it's, it's, you know, I told you earlier, you know, we used to have these haters that were like, Oh, I can't believe you're selling these history. It ends up being a good thing. A lot of times, um, you know, and, and so many different situations where we're getting these items out there. And so that's been a really cool process uh, where, you know, start to work with the players to do that. Um, will the younger players do that? I don't know. They make so much money that it's, it's hard to, hard to imagine them caring that much to do it, uh, except for, for charity. A lot of people will sell stuff for charity too. And that's always a fun thing to do. Yeah, that is cool. So, uh, remind me, um, what's your home club? Where are you, where are you playing most of your golf these days? Uh, I'm at a Boston golf club. Oh yeah. That's wonderful. Um, so you're probably pretty much shut down for the, uh, long, hard winter, I would assume. We are. I'm in Florida. I'm in Florida for a month, so I get to play my golf for the next month, uh, and then uh, let's hope we, uh, you know, we can play some golf in, into the new year. But uh, but yeah, we're 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 done for the year. It's getting chilly up in Boston. Uh, thankfully, uh, I've got some places to play in Florida for a while. Oh, that's good. Where are you hanging out in uh, my beloved Sunshine State? I'm in Tampa. Oh, okay, great. Well, uh, maybe we'll have to. Uh make some arrangements here for a uh, tea time in the not too distant future. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, listen, man, uh, I'm getting close to that point in the day where I got to go branch off and uh, pick up my lovely daughter from daycare. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, she won't knock any of my collection over at the house, which has happened. <laughs> but um, this has been great, man. I'm glad we got a chance to catch up and just you know, hear about uh, how things are going for you all. And um, when, when can we expect to see the next auction uh, hit the block? So we're going to lay low for a little bit and then have one that coincides with the Masters Tournament. So it will end on Master Saturday, so we'll launch it in late March. Our auctions last a couple of weeks long. And so I basically got a few months to assemble some good items. I'm working on some cool stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it should be one of our – one of our, it should be an awesome auction. So uh, we're going to do that around Master's time and right when everyone's gearing up. This Master's tournament should be, like, huge, I think. I think everyone's going to be really, really focused on this Master's, so it should be a good one. Yeah, I think uh, after, you know, this uh... – sort of, I call it the quiet masters that we just had, um, you know, but with a great winner and an, and an awesome tournament, I, I think people are just totally jacked to see it, you know, come back. And I had uh, Alan Shipnuck on the show a week or so ago, and he was telling me, you know, that it's, it's definitely going to be pared down as far as fans go, but they are actively trying to get, you know, people back on the grounds and it's going to be uh, unique again. But, I, I got a feeling that we'll look back on, you know, this uh, 2020 Masters and probably even the 21 one is um, a series of incredibly unique uh, environments. And the same for all the other you know, majors, too. But obviously the Masters is a pretty special one. Yeah, I mean, the good thing is I, I think golf handled uh, everything well in terms of it, it's perfectly you're perfectly capable of watching a golf tournament without there being fans or with minimal fans. Uh, the one that you really wanted the fans were as Augusta, right? You're used to those Augusta roars. You're used to exactly what the product is. And that was different. Um, so I'm sure they'll get back to close to it in April. And, uh, but I, I, I mean, it's, it was a weird golf year, but uh, you know, at the same time, golf was hot throughout, you know, the, the, the country in terms of people playing golf. So there were some benefits as well. And uh, I think we'll come back. I think the whole industry will come back strong next year. Yeah, I think you're right. And hopefully uh, this little golf boom we're all experiencing uh, will be good for uh, auction buyers and others who are seeking to really, you know, become amateur historians in the game. And it's uh, it's great that you've created this outlet for people to be able to you know, either start or exercise those passions. And uh, I just always get a kick out of it, man. You just you, you pull together some of the coolest stuff and can't wait to see the next one. Hey, thanks, man. But yeah, let's definitely try to we'll try to tee it up sometime, uh, especially while I'm in Florida. Yeah, let's do it, man. Let me know. Uh, I've got some uh, assignments down your way here uh, uh, over the next month, so maybe we can get together. All right, make it a work trip. I like it. I like it. Write it off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Talk soon. All right, brother. Thanks, Ryan.